Shalom and welcome to our 13th Shir, Parakud Gimel. I just have to start by saying that it's great to be back in Israel, but it was amazing to uh, to have the opportunity to meet so many people from our uh, our team that were in, um, in America, in West Hempstead, with the feedback and the excitement about our learning together. Thank you. You gave me such chizuk. Uh, to keep going. So now we are to the back the back end of Perek, of Sefer Yoshua, Parakid Gimel. We're going to learn Lila Nishma Sifra Bas Yaakov Alevi, Rafua Shlema, Fertila, Batia, Batchaya Tova, Brachli Gal, Barachal Gita, Yitid Yachaim, and Aviv Rukachaya, Moshe Limelech Alevi, Ben Basha, Shalom and Chaya Sara, Yehuda Eitan, Ben Bracha, Vigail. Everyone should have a continued Rafua Shlema and Shadokim for all those in need. We we turn to Perek Yud Gimel Pasuk Aleph. Yoshua Zaken Baba Yamim. Yoshua is old Baba Yamim, and his days have come. So God says to him, "You are old, Bataba Yamim." The same thing. We have this Zaken and this Baba Yamim, and there's a lot of the land that's left to be conquered. Question is, what's the what's the message of these Psukim? Did Yoshua do well? Did Yoshua not do well? So the Mitzudas David shares an, an interesting point, which is really just a understanding of Zakein and Baba Yamim. He says, Zakein Baba Yamim, Zakein Yomar Lashon Bnei Adam, Hamuchash Nireba Adam Melubana Seyar. White hair. Your hair is white, you are Zakein. The Hakmatata Panim Lufamim Magdim Lavo below eight. And you don't necessarily have to be old. To have that, you have people that are prematurely gray. I remember in ninth grade sitting behind someone for almost the entire year with big patches of gray hair on the back of his head. Fourteen years old, it happens. Zakain is you look old. Good way to remember it is Zakain comes from the word cane. It sounds from cane, right? You're, you're with the cane, you're old. It's a person who looks like they're no longer young. But what is Baba Yamim? Baba Yamim Komer Hine Yamim. That is just, you have a lot of years. So if a person's 100 years old, we would all say, Baba Yamin, he's old. You can meet a 50-year-old who is Zakain, and you can meet an 80-year-old who is Baba Yamin, but not Zakain. They're, they're, um, they're not mutually exclusive. You, you can have it either way. Yoshua was Zakain, Baba Yamin. And God said to him, you are old. Baba Yamin, and your age, you're, you come on your years as well. And there is still a lot that you have left to do. Question is, is it a criticism on him or not? The Sefer Chomer Anach and others say the following. Malvim as well. Mikol makom garamta la'atzim chashnit alamta v'nitzalta l'chposhet ha'aretz l'man yerbuyamecha. This is a wild, wild idea. The idea is that Yoshua brought this upon himself. Yoshua, you did this to yourself. You caused yourself to be old. Why? Because you didn't do the conquest as quickly as possible. Why? You, you did this to keep your life going because you knew that you'd be alive so long as the conquest had to happen. So kibush, you're alive. So you stretched out longer than necessary in order to ensure yourself a longer life. The other you should have lived to be 120. You can only live 110 because this is your punishment. Yosef, the same thing. Yosef also loses 10 years. He loses 10 years for not being as respectful to his father 
um, by letting everybody call, by letting his brothers call him Avadecha, your servant. For doing that, he also lost 10 years. He let the game go longer than it should have. Same thing here. So I, I, I always was found this to be very difficult. There is no indication at all anywhere in the Psukim that we learn at all. Nowhere do we see anything to indicate that Yoshua didn't do a good job. He seems to be doing all the right things all the time, all the time. And yet the 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 Chobaranah and the Malbim quote the matters that say Yoshua did not. Yoshua ended up um causing his demise early because he stretched it out to live longer. Okay. So I I was not loving this. And then I saw a beautiful idea, both by Ravigal Ariel and by Rev Remmer. Different, different points on different pieces, but they both bring home the idea that maybe there is a way out. So Yoshua, the Das Mikra points out, Yoshua, Zakein Babayamim, two other people in Tanakh are Zakein Babayamim. Pasak Aleph in Malachim Aleph, Bamelech David Zakein Babayamim. The king David was old, Zakein, he was old, he was, he was only 70, but he looked physically old, Babayamim, full in life. They covered him in his clothing and he couldn't stay warm. That's David Amelak. Avraham was Zakein Babayamim and Hashem blessed him with everything. How old was he? According to the Seder HaOlam and most opinions, he was 137. This is right after, maybe, maybe 140, probably 140. It was three years after the death of Sarah. So we have a 70-year-old and a 140-year-old. Interesting, it's like double. And both of them are Zakain and Baba Yamim. Avram doesn't really give off the sense that he is um, like David, that he's sad and stuck in bed and he can't do anything. But he needs to marry off his son Yitzhak. And what is he not capable of doing? He's 140 years old because he's Zakain Baba Yamim. He cannot make the trip to Haran. So what does he do instead? He sends... Eliezer. So the question is like this. Which one of these, we, we're stuck with the Chomad Anach, who says the, the God's language seems to be telling us that, that Yoshua failed. But then we have David and, Av, and Avram are also Zakim Baba Yamim. And it doesn't seem to have the failure there. Which one, is there a way out that we don't have to take the critique on Yoshua? And that was when I was super excited because I found a parachute. I found a way out to save Yehoshua in my eyes and feel like we're in a good place. So to do that, let's take a look at Avraham, Yehoshua, and David. According to the Dat Mikra, I believe he quotes the letter, she says that Avraham, Yehoshua, and David were all kings. Avraham was a king to the Jewish people. He's the starter of the Jewish people. Yehoshua is the king of Ephraim. And in a certain sense, he's the king of the Jewish people as well. And David, of course, is the Rosh, the head, wears the crown of Yehuda. And obviously, the Davidic dynasty comes from him as well. So, Avraham, Yoshua, and David, what is it that they all have in common? Is there a thread that we could potentially tie through them to understand better what the way out and so we don't have to condemn Avraham, um, da- Yoshua, in a in a negative way. So let's take a look at the story of David. It's my favorite, one of my favorite, maybe even my favorite Perek in all of in all of Navi. Perek Aleph of Malachim Aleph. 
where we saw Pasuk Aleph, the king was old and he was freezing, freezing, and his clothing couldn't warm him up. So what happens? They, they're stuck. David needs somebody to keep warm and the suggestion is made. Let's get someone who will be a mechamein, basically a human hot water bottle, someone that he could cozy up with and stay warm. Nothing happens. But he's going to be it lie in bed next to this woman in order to stay warm. And they select Avishag Hashunamit. This lady Avishag, who is young and vibrant, and, and one would assume that she, she was a warm-blooded and she was able to keep him warm as well. And what happens? She goes into bed with him, and now everybody's stuck because all of David's wives. It's very uncomfortable. Here it is. This is my husband for, for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is. And now all of a sudden, he's in bed with this other woman at all times. It's uncomfortable. They don't go there anymore. They don't visit him. What about his children? Same thing. Imagine his 30, 40-year-old son walking in and he's, in, he's, he's lying in bed with a 20-year-old girl. It's also so uncomfortable. They don't come to visit. The problem is that with all this happening, there's still a power vacuum. See, David and Melech is on his deathbed. They all know that. And the question is, who is going to take over for David? David has not appointed a successor. Now, there is an opinion we'll see in a few years when we get to Melech and Aleph. There is an opinion that says that Adoniyahu ben Chagit, who is the one who tries to take over as king, his chebra, says, this is what we need. And it's their suggestion to get the Mechamemet. Why? Because by putting Avishak there, David is written off, he's cut off from all of his family, from all of his advisors. There is nothing happening. David is living by himself. And now in this power vacuum, anyone and everyone could take the opportunity to take over. And Adoniyahu does that. Adoniyahu makes a whole show about how he's going to be the king. Now, who does Adoniyahu align with? He chooses wisely. He chooses a Kohen Gadol, or a Kohen who will be his Kohen Gadol, Eviatara Kohen. And he chooses a general. He chooses a cunning, ruthless maybe even, uh, certainly aggressive would be a good word to describe him, general. He chooses Yoav ben Tsruya. Now Yoav is not one to shy away from conflict. He killed several people that maybe shouldn't have been killed. Avner ben Ner, probably most famous of all. David is not happy with that. He kills Avshalom. Also, something that David is not happy with. That is Yoav ben Tsuriya. Question is, why did Yoav pick to Adoniyahu's side? Now, you could say he's betting on the best horse. He looks and says, who's there? We have Adoniyahu. He's currently the oldest or most powerful son. There's no other real clear-cut person who's going to be it. And yes, the Shlomo, this 12-year-old kid who's at the bottom end of the family, he's also a possibility. You can make the argument that, that Yoav is just smart. And he looks at it and says, from an outsider's perspective, taking away the, the religious piece and, and what God wants and what David wants, Adoniyahu seems to be the best bet. And so betting on him makes the most sense. Say, Lahavdil, it's like being a Yankee fan. 
just makes sense, at least 20 years ago for a long, long time. It's just a good place to put your money. Okay. Is that really it? So a beautiful, beautiful idea by Rev Remmer. He discusses what leadership is in the world and what leadership is in the Jewish people. And I think to understand that it's really, it's an interesting dynamic, which is, you know, something that we could appreciate nowadays more than ever before. For a long time, if you got a job, the feeling was that you work for your boss. I don't think that's so much the case anymore. I think in many, many industries, it's the opposite. The the boss now works for the employees because employees feel like, I'll just leave. But the the thought, the thinking generally is that the, the people work for the king. And so that is in general how the idea of malucha is, is that you have a king, he's very powerful in the world, and his subjects are all loyal to him. Why? Because they work for him. They're bound to him. But Remember points out that that's not really how the Jewish people's idea of leadership works. You have a leader, and the leader has a unique generation to work with. Yoshua works with one, Moshe another. If you look at the difference between the people that Moshe led and the people that Yoshua led, it's night and day. Moshe led people that were slaves, that were coming to a- coming of age as a nation. That's a pretty hard job to do. Yoshua gets a group of people that have been cultivated, developed, nurtured, matured in the desert. They're ready to go for it. It's a very different leader leadership group, and it's a very different leadership style. And he says that, remember, says if you go through Al Tanakh, you'll see different leaders for different times representing different needs of the people. Fascinating. So the question is, what kind of leader was David? And what kind of leader did Yoav think David needed to be? And what kind of leader did what kind of leadership model did Yoav think that was necessary? David and Melech, according to Remer, felt that there was a need to have a leader that was appropriate for the people. And he said, I'm it. I did what I had to do. The time is going to come. I'm no longer going to live. Someone will come and take and take my place. It will organically happen by selecting the leader in my family that is most fitting for what the Jewish people need. Yoav says the opposite. Yoav says, if there is a void, it is crucial that there's a plan of succession. The idea that you can have a void and hope that organically someone will take over, says Remer to Yoav was something that's impossible to understand. And you can understand it from Yoav, the perspective of the general. He is a military person. Military people don't say, oh, we'll figure it out. No, you you have to have a plan, a strategy. If the strategy doesn't work, you adjust. That is Remmer's thought. Now let's pull that back to Yoshua. Yoshua was a leader for the people. And he felt, listen, there's a time and a place. There's work that needs to get done. But I don't have to plan every piece exactly perfectly. It's going to organically happen. I did the best I can. We conquered as much as we can. And now let's go on and see what happens next. It's a beautiful idea that connects David to Yahushua. Again, from the simple words, Zakein Babayamin. What about Avraham Avinu? What's the deal with Avraham Avinu? So if you take a look at the chart 
on the map on the left. It's a great map of the trip to the trip that is made by Avram Avinu. He starts out in ancient Mesopotamia by Ur Kastim in the Persian Gulf, Iran, Iran, Iraq. He goes up to Haran, which is up on the Turkish border. And then he comes down because God says, Where does he end up? He goes to Shechem. He goes to Betel. He goes to Ai. He ends up in the Negev. He ends up in Mitzrayim. He comes back up in Sidom and Hebron. That's Avram's journey. What is Avram doing? Avram takes this hakafa throughout the land of Israel. For what purpose? What is he doing? There is nothing more frustrating to children and to people in general than aimless travel. If you're just walking, why? Where are we there yet? How much longer? These are the questions that beg to be asked when children are frustrated, when children want to know where are we going. Avram Avinu makes this hakafa. Yes, he's in Haran. He has to go to Israel. He ends up in Egypt. I understand. But why does he have to do a full sivu of Eretz Yisrael? Says Ravigal Ariel, it is definitely a road trip with a purpose. What is he doing? He is walking the borders of Eretz Yisrael to mark the territory of Israel. He's saying, this is our land. Asks Ravigal Ariel, why? What is the point? What does he accomplish? He does this big sivuv, and he sees the north, and he sees the south, and he sees the middle. Asma, what does he accomplish by it? So you have to see the words of Vigal Ariel. He says, says, you know, the land is not only measured by what I conquer. I have this piece of land. This is my property. No. In my spirit, and my vision. A person should not say, because we didn't accomplish what we were supposed to do, because we didn't conquer the whole land. I give up. Or I bury my dream all the way in the recess, the back recesses of my mind. No! Even if we don't have it in our hands. It's a dream. It's a vision. It's an ideal. I have to pine. I have to desire to reach that. Imagine this. The Jewish people are being given up, given the land, and Yoshua is going to do the Nachla, he's going to do the Goral, and he's going to say, this is your land. And Hashem is going to say, but what do you mean this is my land? There's no land there. There's, there's Tananim there. No. You can't give up. The tactical, the utopian dream of the land, that is our vision. From the moment that the Jewish people settle on the land, it's their vision and their dream that one day the whole land will be ours. And we have to dream and hope and work 
towards that day when the land is all ours. Avraham was Zakein Baba Yamim. You know why? Because he had fulfilled his mission. And what was that? His mission was to dream and to walk the land, to show these are the borders of what Eretz Yisrael is going to be. Amazing. Yoshua is exactly the same thing. Unbelievable. Yoshua's vision is, this is Eretz Yisrael. Go conquer it. Go conquer it. That's your job. Sounds a lot like the famous line by Herzl in Tirtzu Enzu If you will it, it's not a dream. You have to, you have to want it. You have to envision it. And the hope is that God willing, one day it will come true. And that says, Revigal Ariel is the beauty of our Perek. The whole notion is that Yoshua didn't fail. But Yoshua laid out to the people, look what you have. This is what can be. Okay? A lot of time on Pasuk Aleph. We're going to fly now. What did they not conquer? So the, the Pesukim are going to tell us. They did not conquer. If you take a look at the map, the Plishtim in yellow, it's right around there. It's the whole area of the Gaza Strip and going further up. It goes further up to Ashdod, Ashkelon, even as far up as Oma Shalavim. That is the area that conquer it. The Chalag Shuri. And the Shuri, which in theory is right there. How do we know that? Because the next Pasuk says, It's all the way to Shichor. Rashi and others tell us what is Shichor? It's the Nile. The land of Geshuri, it's a it's a, a, a strip of land that goes all the way to the upper Nile by the Egyptian border. And so that's a big piece that they didn't conquer. Pazigdalid. You have the land up until the land of the Amori, which is this is starting from the south. And now we have this whole area up here in the north. It's the Aretz Hagivli. What does it cover? Lebanon and heading eastward to Balgad, which is by. The Hermon, according to this map, that would be Damascus. So that's how far that's how far it is. Okay. Okay, so they, they, they didn't conquer all of it. So what do they have to do? They're gonna have to conquer it. So Rashi says the great comment. He says, What is this Pasuk saying? Each shevet is given a piece of land. This is your property. Some of it, some of you have more work to do than others. Go and do it. Go conquer it. And I want you to conquer this land um, and divide it amongst the nine and a half shvatim. No, it's nine and a half plus half of Menashe. Um, yeah. Okay. This is very similar to the beginning of Sefer Yoshua, Rabbi Hatton points out, because at the beginning of Sefer Yoshua, all the Shvatim are accompanied by Ruben, Ruben Gad, and Chatzit, Sheva, and Asher. The two and a half are, are accompanied by the nine and a half to do their kibush. And now we're told you have to divide land amongst the nine and a half. Pasuk Chet. 
And so with them was Reuben and God, who took their land, and it was given to them by Moshe, that was on the other side of the river, that Moshe had, been, Moshe had given to them. Um, and, and the question that, that really does arise on these psukim, by Alex Israel has a beautiful podcast on Tanakh, even though I'll be giving away some of my material, definitely worthwhile to follow. Excellent. So he asks the question, why did why does it say the land that Moshe gave you? Why is the emphasis over and over and over again on the land that Moshe gave you? So he says it's, it's a burn. It's a sting. What's the sting? The land on the other side of the Yardane is not really yours. Yes, you're allowed to expand the borders of Israel, but the Ikar is getting Eretz Yisrael proper. If you get that, you want to expand and expand and expand. You'll see lots of times in Tanakh that the borders of Israel become much bigger. But if you don't have the, the main house, the backyard isn't worth it. And that, that is what Alex Israel suggests is the sting that's going on in these psukim. So now we're going through the cities on the other side. Okay, so that is the land of Ruvain. Now we move up a little bit north, and that's the land of the Bashan. Okay, so the land of the Bashan, which was conquered by Moshe Rabbein when he defeated Og. But they didn't conquer all of it, and some of it stuck around. What's going on here? So the Barbanel says, why does he start this introduction by telling him what, what's going on the, the, on the other side? Says the Abarbanels to tell him that everything is the same. What happened to him happened to Moshe in, in, in battle as well. He didn't get everything. And yet, he still, Moshe still divides land, gives up to Reuven, God, and Chatzis, Shev, and Asher. Kacha Yoshua, you know, Shalom, Chalal, Orish, and Oivim, and Yishara, Chela, Gadol, and Aretz, Yishta, Lo Nimnam, Ibnei Zem, and Chaleka, to Aretz, Benashvatim. Nonetheless, he did his job and divided the land. Okay. Levi did not get their own land. Important to know, it says it once. Moshe gives the land to Reuven and his family. Okay, so if you look at the map, you can see the Yatsok Temo, Mafoba, Kiritaim, the Sivma, the Serra, Shachar, Bahar, Emek, Ube Poor, Vashoga, Biscavi, Tayishimo, the Halaria, Mishor, Hamamhotzi, Homelaham, Riasha, Malach, the Hashwana, Shekam, Moshe, Tova, and Yisemidan, at Evi, with the Rak, and the Tur, and Horvath, Revenis, Kesi, Honyoshi Arts, the land of Midian, as well as the land of Sihon, and all the kings, Vepilam, and Boar, Hargub, and Esau, Bahar, El Halem. And God also gets it. 
and their their border is Yazir Vikolaria Gilavakatsi Eretz Bene Amon Ad Arashokne Raba. Again, this is the eastern side of the Jordan. Beautiful. We're told all of this. Spend a lot of time on their on their properties, but the truth is we're going to do a lot of that over the coming weeks. And now we're told, Half of Menashe also, they also got, they also got their land. They got 60 cities, Okay? This is the land to give out. Now, why do we have to know all about the other side? Now, if you look carefully, this is beautiful. We are not going to do all these psukim because I just ran through a lot of Perek Yud Gimel. But if you look through the psukim in Perek Lamid Bet of Parshas Matos, the end of Bamidbar, you see this back and forth between Moshe and the B'nai Gada B'nai Ruvain. B'nai Menashe are not there. They're not part of it. The B'nai Gada B'nai Ruvain say, we see this land is amazing. We want to come here. So they say, We have a lot of sheep. It's a good place to live. Pasuk Vav, what does Moshe say to him? Them? Why would you turn the people? You are going to be Chetamiraglim version 2.0. So their response is, what are you talking about, Moshe? We're not going to be 2.0. We're going to go in front of the Jewish people. We're going to do what we got to do. But Moshe Rabbeinu responds back in Pasachov. No. You want to go? Fine. You're going to go in front of God. The people think that they are working for the Jewish people with the Jewish people. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, it's not true. You're working for God. And their answer in the end is, they, they say, it's true. We will do what God wants. The message that Moshe is trying to send to the Jewish people is, you guys have this plan because you're not thinking about Eretz Yisrael as the land of God and what's good for God. You're thinking what's good for yourselves. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, it doesn't work that way. The relationship with Eretz Yisrael is it's God's land and you're opting not to be in God's land. And that, that is a burn a sting that Rabbi Alex Israel says is woven into this parak, and I would think you could make the argument it's woven into the story in, in Bamidbar as well. Where do B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain come from? We know they're self-motivated. They want the land. But why is Menashe added? They never asked for it. Ibn Ezra says there's too much land and Moshe Rabbeinu needs to pick someone. Menashe. Not even it's two of the families of Menashe. Ramban says, no, they were like at the periphery watching this whole negotiation go. And then all of a sudden, like, wait a second. Yeah, we want in. They jumped in last minute. Why the Shevet? And it Siv says something amazing. He says that they will be the leaders or the inspiration. They're lovers of Israel. They're the, they're the Benost Slavchad. 
What will they do? They'll be able to tell the people, Eretz Yisrael, it's our Tzayn Lakadosha. Beautiful. So why, why not take all of Shevet Menashe? Why split them in half? Or by Mori Rubel, beautiful answer. So separate one family to keep them connected with Eretz Yisrael. Half of Menashe is on one side. Half of Menashe is on the other side. They're going to have to come visit. So by coming to visit, they are automatically connected to Eretz Yisrael. And then when they come home to the other side of the Jordan, they'll be like, oh, you don't know what you're missing. Eretz Yisrael. They'll tell that to the Bnei God and Bnei Rubin. That's That's the goal. Beautiful answer. I found an answer by Rabbi Ari Khan. It's amazing. Amazing. Rabbi Ari Khan says that, um, take a look at Pasagud Bet towards the, the bottom of the left side. Yosef tricks the brothers. He traps the brothers. He traps the brothers by planting his cup, his gavia. He plants it in the in the bags of the of, uh, of the bag of Binyamin. And then the the gavia is discovered in Binyamin's bag. And then they reload their donkeys. And they go back to the metropolis. They go back to the city of Egypt. Who's the person that did all this? Who's the one that orchestrates everything? Menashe. The Das Canaan says, Who is the person that's taking care of bringing the brothers to Yosef's house, filling the, 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 the money, the food, and everything in the bag? Who's the one that's planting the Gavia? Chazal says the Menashe. It's Menashe. What did Menashe do? The brothers, there's Mechiras Yosef. It's a tragedy. Mechiras Yosef leads to the brothers and this story at the very end. Who, what do the brothers do in response to the copying found by Krusimotam? Ten of them tear Korea. This is a Khan. The perpetuation of Mechiras Yosef, the inability for the brothers to be able to get along who does that come from? Menashe is the one that keeps it going. Menashe is divided up as a reminder of what happens when brothers can't get along. And the message that's not supposed to be subtle to the Jewish people is, do you want to be Matzliach? You want the land of Israel to work for you? You need to be united. If there is one theme that we will see throughout the next three years, as we get all the way to the end of Malachim Bet, theme is the Jewish people can't stay united. Just can't. They're always fighting with each other. And that is their downfall. Separate Menashe as a reminder. This is what happens. This is what happens when the brothers can't get along. So, so sad. Interestingly, we have this once again. Levi did not get land in Israel. Abarbanel says he, they, he did just like Moshe said. They didn't get any cities until after Chalukah to Aretz. Why is it stressed twice? Perhaps the reason is to let us know that even though Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu is from Shevet Levi, nonetheless, Levi does not get any special treatment. Everybody's treated the same. You have to do the Nachla as is. And once the cities are ready to be given out, that's when they'll be given out. 
not a moment sooner. Thank you again for joining us for Parakid Gimel. God willing, we will continue next week with Parakid Dalid. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy learning with us. I enjoy your uh, your presence with us. And keep walking in the ways of the prophet.